As long as there have been massively successful musicians, there have been people telling us those musicians are crap. But can overhyped bands still produce underappreciated songs? We think they can, and we're here to share some of them with you next on Over Under Fair. Welcome back to another episode of Over Under Fair, the final word in pop culture relevance. I am Dave Dan, as always, and with me, as always, producer Roger on the ones and twos. Roger, how you doing? Very well. Roger, I am glad you are here. Are you glad to be here? Yeah, minus the weird softball getting old injury, I'm fine. Yeah, Roger, Roger's coming in with an injury today, guys, so he's playing hurt, so you have to, you have to be nice to him. It's on his button hand, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's an actual, yeah, it's, a, it's an injury that could cause damage My to our show. <laughs> so hopefully roger can persevere we'll we'll be here to lift you up man we'll get through this together uh speaking of the people lifting uh lacy how are you again i'm great thank you oh my god it's all good. Yay. Mm-hmm. uh and joining us uh new to our show but not to srd co-host of counting tracks that's correct counting tracks roger yes that's correct C- uh, counting tracks the rebirth uh <laughs> um Megan Reardon. Megan, how are you? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. Kind of stoked to be here. Thanks for allowing me into your little podcast. We are stoked to have you. We like to try to bring in as many cool people from SRD as we can for our shows. I like I like the, you know, the cross-promotional aspect of that. I like and that you think I'm cool. Yeah, man. It's interesting. I mean, you know, peek behind the curtain. I've known you for a little while. <laughs> so it's, I thought you were cool separately from you doing a show on I'm the network. I'm cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I will. I will remember that for the next time you are on. You are always going to be hidden, cool, Megan Reardon from now on. You can sit with us. Yeah, I can sit at the cool table. You can sit with us. All right. So at this table, the cool kids are sitting here to discuss a topic that I I thought about it a little bit, and it's not. I wouldn't call it like esoteric in the way that it's actually weird, but it was. A, it's a conversation that I know a lot of us have together and with other people about the concept of like overrated bands, right? So we. We all have opinions on these things, and that is literally what our show is about, the the value of things compared to other things. And I think sometimes overrated bands, you know, historically, get a bit of short shrift when you discuss the full, you know, purview of what that covers, like all of their music. And I think that bands can become troublesome or maybe too long in the tooth. Maybe you just get sick of hearing the same thing over and over. But a lot of these bands have a lot of songs that I think people would not would not have a chance to listen to if they were just immediately dismissing bands like some of the ones we're going to discuss today. So I wanted to take an opportunity to discuss some of the lesser works or underrated works, if you would, of some bands. Now, we'll call it underrated songs from overrated bands. That's, that's, that's a fitting title. Um, and coming to this, Roger, you, we kind of had this idea together. Um, what, in your definition, what does like, an overrated band mean to you? I think an overrated band, in my definition, because we grew up in a different era to what is currently right now in terms of uh, in terms of radio play, I would put a radio a band that's overrated as a band that was on the radio every five seconds, and it was also hit on different formats. So if I go in my radio voice, so on the AAA format, so if you look at a ninety three nine local station or uh, something along the lines of ninety six point three, you'll see that that song has crossover success. Or a band that you saw in a genre like 
I don't know, eat out an actual river rock. And you, you sold those. For the whole episode? And you do that the entire time you go to those little uh, formats, and that's what I consider an overrated band. A band sure. where they're on People Magazine, and they're getting a little too much exposure. So, yeah, that's where I would, um, that's where I consider like an overrated band. That's, they're everywhere. You can't avoid them. They're in elevators or everywhere. And they're a band that, I don't want to say "quote unquote" sold out. Sure, that is a that is a label that gets hung on a lot but of these bands. Yeah, specifically, yeah. a couple of them that we will talk right. about. Um, in going through this, I found that there were so many choices; it was difficult to really narrow it down to just a couple because we're only going to do a couple for each of us. But uh, Lacey, I know you went through a whole lot of decisions too. Like, what what ultimately led you to settle where you settled? Before we even tell us who your bands are, um, I just think the artists that I I chose are kind of widely regarded as being just great like by everybody i don't know if i would necessarily agree that being like crossover in different genres is a bad thing um but i think it's kind of where mostly people think they can do no wrong and everything is so hyped up that it's like when they do kind of do something that's not great people still really seem to enjoy it and take it for what it is yeah because they may have had like a real hot streak leading into that so then it's like oh well they can't make anything bad put out a crappy album and it's like everybody's still all over it yeah and and it's not as great and people don't want to admit that it's not as great as it was or it's hard to that that it's on a downfall you know and i think a lot of artists go through that but the ones where they still sustain in you know the public I don't, the public ear, I guess, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, we need to take a step back and see that, you know, X artist or this band or that artist isn't what they used to be, you know, or maybe they fell a little flat on this one and, or maybe they just tried something different. Like there's, yeah, and it there, didn't work out. Right. Far be it, far be it for us to be able to say what the artistic, you know, uh, progression is for a band, you know, band to band. Like it, it could have just been something you try that didn't work. But in cases like that, I think it's actually twice as interesting to examine some of that stuff because it was overlooked. Like that's some of that we will play today. That that is some of the stuff that will show up. You know, um, Megan. Before we lead into the interu- the right. introductions of our songs and bands proper, um, I wanted you here because you are also on another music podcast. But as a person whose opinion I respect on matters of these sort of things. We've had talks about music and stuff. Um, When you were looking for your songs, specifically your songs, what is, what is something, if the band is overrated, there's a chance that you might not like them. Right. What is, what about the songs that you chose makes you feel like it's still worth hearing something from this band, even if there's in your own mind, not great. If in fact you don't like the artists that you chose. Um, yeah, I, I kind of went with a yin and yang approach here. I chose an artist that I love and one I absolutely do not. Um, and I had a hard time with the one I do not, um, finding something that didn't actually sound like said first artist. Okay. If that makes any sense. Cause, it will. Yeah, it, it will. <laughs> when I it will reveal come full the big circle. reveal, it definitely comes full circle. It was difficult for me. And that is, um, the, the stuff I like by them is the stuff that sounds like them, not just a copy of something else. And that's fair. Like there's, there is a difficulty sometimes in, in facing stuff that we might not like as much and wanting to, and being able to admit that some of it is actually good. Yeah. Like, you know, as a famous example, I've shit on Radiohead on this show many <laughs> times and I have, yeah. I can even considered selecting them just for fun. Cause I do like some Radiohead songs, yeah. but if you were to just ask me to my face, do you like Radiohead? I would say no every time, yeah. even though I know, yeah, I like some songs. Mm. So it was it, speaking only for me. It was difficult for me to 
settle on something of a band that I didn't like. I picked one that I'm lukewarm on, but I like the song enough because I think I think the nice thing about any sort of music and any sort of band is that if you really give it an effort to try hard enough, you can find merit in a lot of the music that they're creating you really can. just because they are creating something. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate the art and I appreciate the effort it takes to get through some of this stuff. I don't want to do it all the time, but right. if you manage to create a song that I'm like super into, I'm, I'm glad you did it. And I'm, I'm here for that, you know, yeah. and I'm literally here for that. That's why we're here. <laughs> so without any further ado, I will explain that this episode is slightly different than other music episodes we've done. Um, we've done list episodes or we have kind of, you know, given you little snippets of stuff while we're talking or, maybe play like a whole verse from a thing. We're going to play full uncut lengths of songs during this episode. So we will, each of us will introduce our song. We'll talk a little bit about the artist and the song and why we chose it. And then we're going to play you a fucking song. So, I mean, buckle in. If you're not here for that, I'm sorry, but that's just what we wanted to do. So we're going to play a, we're going to play a song. We're going to come back and talk about it a little bit. Then we're going to do it again. We're going to do that eight times. So, uh, We'll start with Roger because you are you are hurt. So we should give you first. We should give you first. We'll have you lead off. So we're not expecting a giant thing. I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> Roger, what is your first underrated song from an overrated band? Uh, my first underrated song by an overrated band, and let me do my radio voice, <clears throat> <laughs> would be Little TNA by the Rolling Stones, which came out on Tattoo You, which was released on October, excuse me, August 24th, 1981. And this is a song that really <laughs> Keith Richards, Keith Richards saying of uh, saying lead vocal on this one, and, and ladies and gentlemen, which is rare, like which is very yeah, rare, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. And the thing is, is that Keith Richards is known for a couple oh my things. god, you can't do this little show. I will die. I will die. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keith Richards now is, is <laughs> right back into it. Bastard. Um, uh, Keith Richards is actually known more as a pirate these days than actual. <laughs> Uh, guitar Definitely player. not overrated as a yeah. pirate. He's got that down. Yeah, he's yeah, got it down, down, and he's known for being the 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 antithesis of a movie. So he's but, also known for like not dying. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, also yeah. true. I, I always hear about Keith Richards being like he's so done so many drugs and all this stuff. Yeah. But he's still alive. His mortality yeah. also not overrated. He just continues. <laughs> yeah. And this was recorded at the Emotional Rescue Sessions in 1979. So what's interested. What's interesting about this too is that this is kind of a song about the tribute to groupies. So yes, um, because if you guys are familiar with the whole rock and roll lore of Cynthia Plaster Caster, Caster, Plaster Caster, yep. Oh yeah, um, he kind of sings the victories of them and what the importance of them behind the band because they had a lot of famous groupies who were models and among other things. But this song. It, 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 off this album, Tattoo You is an interesting era because the Stones are coming off from a disco era in the 80s, and a lot of bands like The Who, who uh, we will, uh, I would love to do someday another get, uh, again, Led Zeppelin, who just would, rallying around this time, would stop touring and stop being a band. This is a band that was in the transition period, and, and the Stones were still looking for their sound heading into the 80s. And this song, to me, is underrated because it's such a good song. It's such a kind of throwback it has that established Stones sound, if you will. Like, quote-unquote, now we think of it as a Stones sound. The Rolling Stones, that kind of the guitar, and when you when you hear it. But back then, 
it was considered them going back to a throwback because then if you hear songs like Emotional Rescue where they're kind of experimenting a little bit, this is kind of like sticking in the formula, knowing what works. Yeah, this is a less 80s-ass song than they would produce after this. Correct. I mean, Tattoo You in general is more of a 70s Stones than an 80s Stones, but like with a forward-looking view. So, yeah, this is... I don't know all of these songs, but I know this one. So this is a cool choice. I'm actually excited to hear it. Yeah. Haven't heard it in a long time. So this this is little TNA off Tattoo You here on... W Cave Radio. Nineteen eighty ones tattoo you little TNA and uh, ladies and gentlemen the reason why I chose this song is relatively simple first of all who doesn't like a little TNA <laughs> no all, all seriousness aside 
all seriousness aside, and we we're talking beforehand, and, and Dave will allude to this too. This some of the, the songs we chose were not the most well known songs. Yeah, most were, of them. Most some of, of these them. are for fans of bands, like specific bands. You will know some of these songs. Right. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you that you've never heard these songs because right. we're not that arch or indie. But um, there are a lot of these songs that you may have not heard or may have skipped because you were not fans of these bands or because they just were not hits. They weren't released commercially. Some of them. They were on albums that people weren't as big fans of or didn't know of. So there's a there's a level of unfamiliarity with most of this, but some of them are a little more familiar. And this is a more familiar band. And, and you know, if we're going to give impressions, which we'll do impressions after each song, um, I really like that song. Like, I, I think it's a good tune. I like having Keith sing every now and then. It makes it interesting. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have the the Jagger swagger that, you know, that is marked by a lot of their, their right. stuff. But I think it actually helps them for that. It's like kind of a cool, bluesy, you know, riffy little song. And I really dig it. Megan, what yeah. would you think of the song? I would agree. It's totally diggable. It's a little bit of a different sound to them, but at the same token, it's it's not at all because it, it does have essence of Start Me Up on it. But uh, yeah, it's, it was a good pick, good well, tune, one you? I had not heard. Lucy, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I've I've heard that song before. Um, I always liked it. It's. I guess I never really thought about it too much, that it was kind of like what album it came off of and how they were trying to find their sound but when I look at it like that yeah you can definitely tell that they're like moving into the 80s and it's kind of like sticking with what they know but at the same time like uh, maybe like dipping a toe into yeah. the water yeah. not just jumping in but right. treading mm-hmm. yeah yeah considering it's too, safer like it kind of reminds me of some girls which is one of my favorite Rolling Stone oh, albums fucking great <laughs> yeah so it has some uh, similar to that too because the next album which be Undercover 1983 is atrocious Ooh. Yeah. That is their We're way. We're not here to talk about that. Yeah, though. no, no, and that's their way of guess. They're they're trying to be Duran Duran. Yeah, I guess. when you start talking about when they get overrated, it's there. Like, yeah, that's when I I'm willing to have the conversation. Like you're right, the next decade is bad, and it makes them bad. It hurts their legacy. It's yeah, like, and Dave and I have had this theme since the day we started over under fair, and, and since we the day we met that the eight. Like I used to argue with you about it, but over time I've come to realize you're absolutely right. The eighties. For some artists, have been some of the worst decades of music out there. Even for, yeah. if, for artists leading into the '80s, it's yeah. the lowest creative point for them. Like, and as a paraphrasing Dave Rodan himself, Bob Dylan even sucked in the '80s. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Really well, sucked if you in think the about 80s. it, there was such a hard turn from like what oh, yeah. was popular in the '70s to like what was like popular in the '80s, and bands were trying to like stick with that or like remain relevant when they could have just did what they were doing all along, and they might not have been like the talk of the town, but they still would have been there, like they still would have been good like looking back on it it even works for some bands too like aerosmith in the 70s is aerosmith in the 70s i love that aerosmith in the 80s is when they're super commercially successful and i hate all of it like so there's there's, obviously there's a personal bias to all this stuff but it's it is finding what it is you can do with the sound of the 80s and embracing it and it works for some people and does not creatively for others and it's weird that the level of success is so disparate between some of these acts that it's it's funny that some of that was ever popular, but it, here we are. You know, <laughs> I think yeah. that that uh, the drive to remain relevant really hurts artistry. Yeah, like, yeah. stick Great with point. stick with what you can put out there. You know, don't try to make it commercial. Don't yeah. try to I mean, to each their own. I know money, yeah. money, money, money. But you have to though. Like yeah. if you want to, yeah. you want to continue creating in a in a space, public space. You have to be able to be successful on a level. You yeah. know. Some people have a level of success where they just stay at that level. You know, like yeah. Guided by Voices is a band that's been around for 30 something years. They have hundreds of songs. 
and they sell out all the shows they play, but they play like thousand seat venues, yeah, like, tiny bars and shit. Mm-hmm. They have you know. like a cult following. Yeah, they yeah. have a level of. Uh, I'm, of I'm one of them. I feel. Like have, <laughs> I feel the same way about <clears throat> Clutch. You know. Yeah, these yeah. bands have a level of success where you're like, oh, that band is very successful, but you don't compare them to the Rolling Stones right. because they're never going to be the Rolling Stones, right. but they are very successful in the middle where they're at. And they're and they're hurts for not being the Rolling Stones. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Because Clutch could be if they really wanted to. Oh, yeah. They're just like five degrees separated, but, you know, fortunately they are not. The only thing I was going to the last thing I was going to say about this, too, which is interesting, you guys are talking about staying in your lane. If if we're, you know, if we're putting that phrasing of staying in your lane, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, if bands like the Eagles, which I also put in this classification as overrated, or you might not even like them at all. Sure. But if they were staying with the quote unquote LA or California sound from the 1973 74 era, that doesn't translate well to 1981 when X, bands like X, and then Motley Crue a couple of years later, sure, what yeah, are the, all the LA, quote unquote, the LA rock scene. The LA rock or scene. So they, the Eagles were kind of stuck in that sound, but unfortunately, thank, thanks to Classic Rock format, which came out in 1983, Classic Rock saved the bands like the Eagles, and they got a new life because of it. And that's true. Yeah. If it no, wasn't for the so. Classic Rock radio genre... A lot of bands like the Rolling Stones, the Eagles, and some of the, even another band that I'm going to mention a little later would not have found their that second generation of voice. They did that to please the baby boomers. I totally agree with you. That's a good point. That is a totally different subject than what we can talk right. about today. Exactly. I'm not trying to cut you off. I, I think it's a really good, really good conversation. But I want to keep this moving. Yeah, no, no. But for another point for another day. But that's right. yeah for that. So, but the, you are correct. Um, and that was a good song. Thank you. So moving on from that, uh, Megan. Yes. What what would you like to put for us forth first for your underrated song for an underrated band? Overrated um, band. <laughs> my underrated song for an overrated band. My band choice was, uh, this is my Yang side of things, band I really cannot stand. Uh, I went with Oasis. Ah, Oasis. <laughs> Why so, can you not stand Oasis? I can't stand Oasis because they were really just trying to copy the Beatles. And they did it fairly not good. Um, you know, they had some guitar stuff down. I was, you know, kind of breezing through stuff trying to find something I found tolerable. And I'm like, oh, there's a sitar even. Okay, I see what you're <laughs> doing there. So, yeah, I'm not a fan at all. Um, so I, I based my pick. My pick is um, off of 2002's Heathen Chemistry, I believe. And I'll be honest, I didn't even know Oasis had more albums than three. Yeah. I didn't even know it. <laughs> no, they kept going for a few more years. <laughs> and I don't even know why. It's funny because Heathen Chemistry is not... It's not a particularly well-remembered album of theirs, mm. but I'm actually kind of glad you picked something from this because it's a record that even I, as someone who did like Oasis at that time, yeah. sort of tapped out at that point. Like, <laughs> this is doing nothing for and me. And we're done here. But I will be happy to re-examine this song because I remember the song mm. and I'm, I haven't heard it since then. So yeah. it's been nearly 20 years. I'm actually kind of excited to hear it again. But go ahead, can, further on a little bit. <laughs> Anyway, in 2002, A Heathen Chemistry, the song is called She Is Love, and it's sung by the nine, non-whiny one. Which so believe, Noel, Noel. Noel Gallagher. Noel. Liam much being the whiny one. Yes, Liam I have issues with, for sure. He is the main vocalist, yeah. so that would well, that make sense. Yeah, they should have switched that. But um, anyway, yeah, 2002 is Heathen Chemistry. Lacey, you had something you wanted to say real quick? Oh, I was just going to ask if they always sung interchangeably, but you answered my Liam sang primarily, but Noel has a handful of songs, and they are all good. I mean, like, Don't Look Back in Anger is one of the greatest songs ever. That's That's an old song. I would agree with that. I I think the best Oasis And that's, like, one of the most Beatly-ass, Beatles-ass Oasis songs, too, but I don't even take that away from them. That's my favorite song by them. I mean, it sounds like Straight Up Imagine, but (laughs) fuck it, who cares? It's great. Yeah, it's a great song. But anyway, so, yeah, segue into that. We'll have a little more to say after we hear it, but this is She Is Love? She Is Love.
sunshine beckons to you and your wings begin to unfold I thought you bring in the songs you sing are gonna keep me from the cold and if a soul is hidden among you and its words may wound my soul you can fill me up with what you got cause my heart's been keeping old she is Okay, she is love by Oasis. I really like that song. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it again. That was like a, that was like a nice little sweet tooth revisiting of like a of a part of my life that I have long grown out of because right. I'm old now. But uh, yeah, man, that's a solid tune. Talk uh, talk a little more about it. I don't think I gave you enough time to talk about it. Um, well, I, I believe I already mentioned. But I like the fact that it's not Beatley. It's something yeah. that's it's different. And Noel, I think, brings. Um, a much fuller sound and not quite as tinny as um, his counterpart. He has a nice singer-songwritery kind he of does. aspect Almost to him. Almost folky, folk yeah. pop. Like yeah, that. he's floating that's, right around that's there. That's kind of my, my jam. So. And I, I, I think like that song. song, yeah, that definitely services that well. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you picked that. Thank you. Yeah, I've never heard that song before. It was nice. I liked it. I was saying during the, during the song when we were sitting here chatting that it kind of reminds me of a Counting Crow song, but I'm not mad at it. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, a good, good Counting Crow song. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a good little tune that I might listen to on like a nice spring day. If the Rolling or the Counting Crows actually tried. They tried once. It was a long time yeah. ago. Oh, my God. 
we'll boy. we'll tell that story yeah, another day we'll, too. We'll have to but tell that story one day. Long story short, Lacey and I saw the Counting Crows once, and it was bad. We left so, early. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I feel like you and I are are batting a real low average on seeing concerts recently. Together, so it's recent. Yeah, we've, we've we've had some good ones. We've walked out of a couple uh, of them. Yeah, but like, the James together. one was bad. And maybe then, just like '90s bands we should not go maybe, see together. Yeah, anymore. we just because we saw Flynn Eastwood, and that was great. Yeah, and Mew. So yeah, and Mew also great. Yeah, so, maybe we should just go see like oh, things pop. that have been around for the yeah. last ten years, like electric it. pop together. Yeah, yeah, can't go wrong. Uh, yeah. Digress. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> speaking of electro pop, not at all, because that's not what you're about to. That's not what about no, to go no, with. very far um, from it. But Lacey, what do you want to lead off with? Um, I am going to lead off with Christy Road from Green Day. So, Green Day, I think, is a band that everybody uh, knows. It's they're oh for sure. They're they're huge. They they blew up kind of in what what would you say like the late nineties? Yeah, I mean, they like were they were famous yeah. in the mid nineties. Like Dookie was ninety four and that was yeah. a huge record. So this this track is off the their nineteen ninety one album Kerplunk, which was released on an yeah, indie label. Dookie. Yeah, so it's it's the album before Dookie. They actually had one before this one as well. Um, and they were on they were on an indie label back then, and this is kind of I think the the record that got them recognized, so they could go on to be the band that they were with Dookie. This is the record that everyone that ever liked Green Day says they liked first. Right? Like, no man, I like Kerplunk. Everything it's, it's, else is it's terrible. It's a Green Day purist. <laughs> this record. is like the most hipster ass thing to say. It but is. I knew so many of those people. It's. OG Green Day fans will know this song. It's, I think, talked about by those people as being like the track on the album. But I think Green Day's wider audience probably is doesn't know it as well. So. I will admit I did not hear Complunk until 19, like 2001, 2002. Yeah. I, I, mean, and, I didn't like, hear and, it until after Dookie, but I wasn't one of those people. Yeah. And I was like, this is a really elusive album. You've probably never heard of it <laughs> yeah. if you like Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> I fully admitted that I listened to Dookie first. I love Dookie, and it stayed in my rotation. Most of us did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I heard yeah. it first too. Like yeah. we were, Plunk was the shit. We were ten. Yeah, we're like eleven. Yeah. Like you know nine what I mean? older. Still, you know what I mean, though. We were in small double digits, I'm and the it's one here. right. There's no way. Like, I mean, right. fuck all of you, fucking thirty-two year olds who were like, "Oh, Kerplunk." Fucking, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck kiss out my here. ass. Yeah. Like, sure, Kerplunk is great, but Dookie was great. Like, fuck off. Yeah. That and, album was awesome. Yeah. And believe it or not, my favorite Green Day albums are Insomniac. I think that's pretty. Insomniac is great. Okay. We we can't, yeah, we we're talking about overrated we'll get there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do a Green Day episode. Yeah, we'll have a lot to say about Insomniac. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a cool choice because Green Day is definitely a band that has gotten that moniker thrown at them, overrated for a long time. Like because of as Roger talked about when he was defining it, they're a band that a lot of people were like, oh, they sold out. Yep. You know, like American Idiot happens and Green Day's done. Like oh, we they sold out. They're a pop band. You know, like all this stuff because they're selling out stadiums and you know they're touring with like Fallout Boy and shit. Like that's everybody's kind of out at that point. You know what I mean? The purest type person. Sure. I I really think American Idiot is cool. I don't love it, but I get it. And I I'm glad you picked something from a band like this because it's uh it's an interesting look at the root of where a band can start to where they end up. Yep. Like picking a band, picking a song from a band where they are now would be. It wouldn't be awesome in service of Green Day because you're like, well, this sounds like Green Day. But hearing the original, what Green Day was, is going to be cool. You know, and, like, and I think the song is well. We can hear it, and I'll say afterwards. Okay. All right. So yeah, this is. Uh, go ahead. You do intro for us. Christy Road from Kerplunk by Green Day.
All right. Christy Road, Green Day. Lacey, that is an awesome song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that song. I love that tune. And admittedly, did not know about it until well after Dookie, because I was nine when Dookie came out. And you you mentioned this a little bit before um, the song, before we heard the song. But yeah, a lot of people like around my age, like, oh, Kriplunk was so much better. Like, okay, yeah, it was a great album. But I think... I think that song is interesting because it's a lot of people thought of Green Day as being like a punk band, quote unquote. And I think you can get a lot of that if you listen to Dookie. They have a lot of those short, like kind of in your face, you know, faster songs. But I think that's a good Christy Road is a good kind of example of a nice, simple song that can be kind of it's it's almost like a kind of like like a garage band would write. There's nothing really complex or like overly fancy about it but it's a good kind of example for what green day was capable of right later even, in at, even at such an early yeah. point in their career yeah yeah so i mean i love that song I, you know people talk about kerplunk it is worth a listen if you've you know if you know green day from their later stuff and you'd like them you know maybe but yeah i like that tune kerplunk is a good it's song a good, good album roger 
Any any thoughts on Kerplunk? Uh, or specifically the song? Christy Road. Yeah, yeah. Christy Road's a really good song. And it has, what you, Lacey, you made a really good point about it, simplicity of it all because Trey, the drummer, it seems like it's a simple progress, drum progression. The same thing with even, they don't get too crazy, they don't like they do in like Dookie. So you're right, they sound like they're establishing their sound with this song. And I was saying during the break that, it reminded me of Kiss for some strange reason. And I don't know why I was thinking that, but the, kind of like the guitar factor of it all. But that's a good song. Great choice. When you take away all those bells and whistles and you have what you can plainly see is like a good example of singer-songwriter. Yeah, it's, I like it. Yeah. I am really into the idea that you can find a band like Green Day, specifically in this case, Green Day, and you can get such a cool snapshot of what a band is capable of at the very beginning of what they are doing like this is a great like you said this is a great example of songs that green day will write later into their career you know and it's like their first actual record and i think that's fucking cool like you can you can know green day from a whole lot of things and this is not necessarily one of them Mm -hmm. but this is something that will show up again and again and again like record to record there are songs that are very similar to this songs that have that same kind of you know, they elicit the same sort of feel and emotion. And it's like yeah. a kind of emotional song, which yeah, is nice is. too. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know, the simplest songs can do that. It doesn't have to be simple or complicated. That's irrelevant. But the fact that it is simple and like evocative is, it's really cool to see that from a band that's so young at that time that would blossom into a band that is still capable of doing that as much older people. Like, I don't know. I've always really, I really love that song. I'm, I'm kind of glad that we managed to get something on here that I like a lot apart from the songs I picked. Right. That was, that was just neat. Cause that's something that I've, if I would have thought about it, I could have been like, oh, that's a great song. But I didn't. You did. And that was an excellent choice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. Um, we're going to do my song next. One of my first, one of my two songs. Um, I'll preface this by saying that after this, we're going to head into break, as we do. So we'll, we'll play through the song, and then we'll come back after our break. But I'll do most of my talking about it after the song, because it's, it's a little bit of a longer song. Um, I'm, that may seem indulgent. It's my show. Sorry. But I, uh, I'm going to do my best not to talk about it too long. So we'll just play it first, and we'll kind of talk about it after. I will tell you that the song is Ultraviolet Light My Way by U2 from their 1991 album Octung Baby. And it is one of, if not the best U2 songs, it's definitely in the top five. So we'll go ahead and play that, and we'll hit you after the break with some of our thoughts.
To grave discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Be sure to join us on the Sports Radio Detroit Network. And you better make sure you stalk our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Grave Discussions and go to our website, gravediscussions.net. <laughs> and we're back. Hello again. Uh, so, as as prefaced, that was Ultraviolet Light My Way by U2. <clears throat> Before I get too far into that, though, I forgot to mention at the top of the episode uh, the base criteria of how we determined what, we, what songs we were allowed to pick from. I don't want to make it sound super restrictive, because it wasn't particularly, but we took bands that were, you know, I'd say culturally recognized as overrated bands in some form or fashion, bands that everybody would recognize, bands you've all heard, and then we wanted to pick songs that were either not released as singles at all, so like album cuts, you know, stuff that maybe wasn't even released properly, you know, they just kind of were songs that appeared as weird B-sides or like 
live performances somewhere, something, a studio session, just weird shit. And they didn't chart like ideally at all. But if they did, then maybe not like top 40 or something that you may have had a chance of hearing more than likely. So that's kind of how we got to the songs we got to. Um, Mine is pretty borderline. My first one, it is a very popular U2 song. So if you're a fan of U2, you have heard this song. Like it's pretty recognized. It's like they played it at encore. They played it as an encore song for the Octung Baby tour. And then many times after it, it usually appears in encores. It's a very big production. There's lots of lights. It's in the name. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a pretty recognizable song for people that would like U2, but it was not released as a single and it didn't have any sort of chart, <clears throat> any sort of chart recogni- recognizability. So that's why I picked it specifically for that reason. I could have picked something else, but I wanted to pick that because I love it. Like I'm, as as Megan had alluded to earlier with Oasis, I'm not a huge fan. If she if she hates Oasis, I'm a little less on this. But <laughs> um, I like you two, okay. Uh, specifically, this record, Octung Baby, and uh, Joshua Tree before it, just a few years prior to that. So their last album of the '80s and their first one of the '90s. I think they're both excellent and this one in particular is really fun and strange like it's a it's a band that had you know as we, as we talk about bands that were established before the 80s this band established themselves in the 80s as like a you know anthemic kind of ride with the revolution sort sure. of like we we are conscious and we are here for things you know like we're we're a band that is aware you know kind of yeah kind of that sort of band but very like very kind of pomp and circumstancy, you know. And then this record is a little bit less that, but not all the way. Because this song still has... This song kind of doubles down on the the open airiness of the guitars, you know, like other U2 songs have done prior. But it marries it with like a weirder sort of topic, which is the the lyrics, if you heard the song or if you do it yourself to look. Um, it's it's dealing with like a... With like a kind of a self-destructive uh, love, like between, I mean, likely Bono and then whoever it is he's singing to, because it's 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 sung to a person. We don't know who that is, um, but that's not important really, because what what is important is that the song is like a very it's a very fractured love song. Like it's it's singing a lot about codependency and you know the danger of that, but also the refuge that you can take from having someone that knows you as well as he is singing to this person. And I think it's really beautiful. Like it in a very harmful way at sometimes like if if anyone has been in a sort of relationship like that you can attest to this like the the depth of codependency is very harrowing and kind of bleak sometimes but the higher points of that is like you can only see that person as your way out not your way down and you can get lost in that and that is sort of what the song is singing about and i you know no, i won't i won't yammer on about it for too long cuz i want to get your impressions and stuff but i think there's something really beautiful about it specifically because it is presented as a beautiful song like it's very melodic it's very nice to hear to the ear but you know in a in a way that is sort of subversive <laughs> so i don't know i think the song is great um megan we'll start with you do do you like the song is it okay i did like this song <laughs> it was a good choice um and i agree with you about the uh, the codependency aspect of it is like codependent relationships those lows are horrible they're self-destructive they can tear you apart but those highs those highs i think are why most people stay in those codependent relationships i'd say that's really the only reason yeah. most of the time <laughs> yeah so um yeah good pick lyrically sound and it's a good song do you like you two leading into that is this a band that you have any you fuck with at all um i don't fuck with you two too often <laughs> <laughs> i think like what i was mentioning during our break my uh my mother 
had Joshua Tree in her Sebring convertible CD player, I think, for like three years straight. So I got a little burnt out from there. So I never actually have digested Octune Baby, and I need to. But I can sing every harmony possible on Joshua Tree. <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> I've randomly jumped into band. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, Mom. Um, Lacey, thoughts? Uh, my mom also had a the Joshua Tree cassette. <laughs> Hers was the cassette in her, like, escort. And every time I got into it, I was forced to hear it. And then, oddly enough, also, she had Oasis in there on rotation. Oh, very after nice. It came in. Um, U2, for me, has always been kind of a band that I don't understand. I guess, for me, kind of the definition of an overrated band. I think they're fine. <clears throat> I know the hits. I know, you know, of course, Joshua Tree. I've listened to some of the album cuts. Um, but they just don't do it for me. It, that being said, it's a fine song. It, it's a nice song. I can see why you think it's underrated. Um, I hadn't, I'd heard, I've heard it before, um, maybe once or twice, but you know, it, it just is for me. That's kind of how I feel about all of U2 songs. I'm never like, oh, I, this is yeah, my jam. I think that's you know actually, I mean? for a lot of people, that is probably yeah. true. I know, yeah. But I know a lot of people that really, my mother, oh, sure. you know, obviously is a huge fan. And um, a lot of people are, oh my God, U2. And I just don't grasp that, I guess. But I, I can see why they're a popular band. You know, they have good, catchy songs. They have nice songs with good lyrical content. But... I just, you know, I can listen to them, but it's it's not, I don't have like one U2 song where I'm like, this is the jam, this is the the banger for right. me. No, like it's it's just kind of, yeah, I it doesn't kill me to listen to it, but I wouldn't choose it, you know? Yeah. So. That's funny because that is, that is how I feel about this song. It's not yeah. something I would play for everybody like, this is why you should listen to U2 because right. I don't think that. But I like the band enough, but pressed if you're like, what's the one song you want to hear by that band? It's this. I love this song. I think yeah. it's excellent. And I... I think part of the reason I enjoy it so much, before I ask you, Roger, I think part of the reason I like it so much is because it is super emblematic of what U2 will sound like going forward from this record. Yeah. Like, this is kind of prototype the U2 sleeping ballad type song, but it's the first time they did it, more or less, like, in this way, and it's, I think, the best of their ability to do that. Like, there's there's talk to be made about, like, the baby, baby, baby parts, because they had never written a song like this prior to this, like... Bono had even spoken about it in interviews and stuff. It's a weird song because it's not ostensibly from the outside. If you just read the lyrics, it's not a U2 song, but that's what I think makes it so interesting. And they would write more songs like this. And they would write more songs that are hookier, you know, like yeah. going forward. But this is kind of the first one that sounds of this stripe. So I think that's interesting personally. Roger. One part of the song I did enjoy, the lyric that I liked the most was there's a silence that comes to, an ho- to a house where no one can sleep. I guess it's the price of love. I know it's not cheap. A good couplet, yeah, and he did. He did say that he stole it from an author, and he well, that's probably why it's good because yeah, it wasn't written by him. Yeah, it was an autobiography. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I have a weird, just like you, Lacey. I have this weird thing with you two, and I, I kind of, and Megan, you might think it's sacrilegious, but oh well. But I, I put them in the same kind of category as do with REM, where they had a good peak of like I think of you two in the '80s and REM in the '80s very fondly, very strongly. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to the '90s, with the exception of maybe this album. After that, I just I, I don't care about you two. After that, I really don't. I'm kind of yeah, like I said, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm with you. On yeah, that. for you two anyway. Yeah, for you two. And and REM after Monster is kind of hit and miss. But anyways, I digress. That's a, that's a topic for a different yeah. show. And, and Megan, don't give me those eyes, please. Um, but, <laughs> no, but just uh, all jokes aside, I do like the song, and it does start is what you just said, Dave. The the beginning of the formula 
that YouTube would create for Kmart, which was part of um, the Pop Mart thing. Yeah, the Pop yeah. Mart thing, the Kmart thing. I remember that very fondly. Yeah, that was bad. I and, do not know what. Yeah, it was. So, they had a whole t- tie-in with their Pop Mart tour where there was a bunch of shit at Kmart, and you could like get exclusive tickets and shit through there. Uh, it was like a weird. Was that like thing. late nineties? Yes. Yeah, when they did ninety-seven, the- maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, that was like when they started going. Those they were trying to write those like U two arena bangers. Yes, <laughs> they were that coming is, out with those. Where this is where it starts. Like there are a couple of songs on this record that are like the, you know like sort of the groundwork for that this one included because if you ever watch i have not seen them but if you see performances of this song it is very much that like, yeah you know bono could sleep over the fucking crowd on like wires and shit there's a little big light yeah. display like it has that feel of it but it's not it's not not it's not there yet, yet. like yeah. it's not they're not doing it on purpose yet right. yeah you know what i mean i think that they're like, not writing beautiful day <laughs> I, right around that album was when i started to experience like you two like from the outside looking in because like i said my mom really listened to like the joshua tree all the time yeah. so that was how i thought of you too and then they came out with like beautiful day and stuff and they were all over the place filling up arenas they yeah. had the didn't they have like a circle stage yeah. where the oh, yeah. crowd was around them yep. and yeah. and then i found out that their guitar player's name was the edge and i was like i just don't uh, <laughs> it's maybe just a generational gap but like i wasn't on board for it yeah sorry sorry to interrupt you no, that's okay and meanwhile the drummer's name is larry larry Collins. <laughs> yeah yeah and then Adam, Adam yeah. Clayton, yeah. yeah, Adam, Adam Clayton, you lazy him. But no, I, I, this song it, it was good, and it was one of those that stood out in Octum, Octum Baby because that was their departure from eighties U two, and they're yeah. like they're getting electronics. I think like in, a, in a serviceable way. I, I yeah. think I cannot speak highly enough to how great I think that album is. Yeah, very good transition album. Yeah, that that's a band that did it right. Like yeah. you, you had a sound. You went with it, it sounded great, and then you adapted it to the 90s, like, almost seamlessly. Yeah. Like, it's, it would be difficult to say that any band, in my mind, did that as well as U2 did, because they became super famous after this record came out. Like, this was the breakout for U2. Like, right. the huge breakout, the selling arenas breakout. And, and, like, that's it's just cool that they managed to pull that off. And they were one of the few bands that was able to shed the transition, the decade transition, because no other band survived the 80s, but U2 did. In this, in this high of in form. The, yeah, in like, this high, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the yeah, same relevance. Yeah, hard press. I mean, while we're talking about it right now, I can't think of one. So if anyone else does, let us know. Yeah. But we're not thinking of it now. We're just going to keep going on. Yeah. Um, on. Speaking of, moving on, Roger, you're going to kick us on down with your next underrated song from an overrated band. Well... Just off the great movie that came off about Queen's the biography about Freddie Mercury, really, at least I mean, if you haven't seen it out there, it's fantastic. You it's on motherfucker. It's on Netflix. You buy it on stores. It's great, great stuff from the guy from iRobot. I can't remember his name. <laughs> hey, but uh, Rami Malek. Yeah, Rami Malek. Yeah. But um, no, the so guy from iRobot. I know he's but, no longer that. He yeah. was before this movie. Now he's now just, he's the guy from Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. but every, yeah. you know now he's that Freddie Mercury guy, cliche radio DJ guy. I would say it like that because he doesn't know any better and he's an idiot. But um, <laughs> no, so this is off News of the World, and News of the World is also a very. I think it's an underloved album. Yes, I yeah. Think, yeah I'll, I'll back you up on that. Sorry, go ahead. But it's, and it is a very underrated album. And it's a period of time where Queen's kind of... It's, I think it's a transition for me, even in, this came out in 77. But uh, the song I chose was Get Down, Make Love, which I first originally heard by Nine Inch Nails. And I couldn't believe that it was a Queen cover. So when I heard <laughs> the cool Queen cover, cover yeah. when you get to the song, it just... I'll talk about it after the song, but it's just... It's one of those songs that, lyrically speaking, stands out.
<laughs> that was an off the 1977 album, News of the World, that would Queen and Get Down and Make Love. Yeah, that song Wow, rips. that voice, Roger. That song rips. Yeah. I don't use that creepy <laughs> voice often for reasons that are pretty self-explanatory. But uh, there, no, the reason, Dave and I was just, Dave was just preluding to it and did a really good job of talking about this. It is a very jangled song from Queen. And what I mean by that is, and Dave pointed out too, when during the break that you have the first two songs off this album are We Will Rock You, We Are Champions, which is classic rock. Back 101. To back. Yeah, like yeah, 101. Yeah. But back there on side two, 
on the album, whether you had the record or eight track or whatever you had at the time. I, I don't want to sound like I'm too cool about it, but I believe it opens side two. Yes, it does. It opens side two. You are correct. Uh, it's been a while. So you I, are too. Yeah. yeah. I, my parents had this record. I have heard it. So. Yeah. And it's very like the Roger Taylor's drumming and just the, the guitar, like the stop and boom, boom. And just, it builds up so much. Yeah. John know. Deacon does a really good job playing bass on this, like the, just setting the tone. Just let us name all the members of Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie Mercury, um, if you don't know if he's... he's but no, Sorry, in, who? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. But him. the lyric content, I mean, you listen to it, you're like, yeah, you got one sexually frustrated man or person here. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think this song fits the motif of the album, too, because the album is kind of the sci-fi. And there's, they're, they're, they're like, until, until the mid-'80s, till it's kind of magic, it was a kind of experimental album. Yeah, like, it, it took a little while, but this is... This is a cool example of a band that could do We Are the Champions, We Will Rock You, being like, well, we can do other stuff, too. Like, this yeah. song just straight oh, rips. Extremely you know. versatile. Yeah. yeah. That, argue that. Yeah, that's well established. But that's, it's, a nice, it's a nice glimpse of, like, the, I, I can, for lack of a better word, like, the heavier aspect of Queen. Because there is yeah. some. Like, you know, they don't always dip into that pool. But when they do, man, it sounds fucking rad. Yeah, when you they know? do, they, they dip well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love this song. This yeah. is this has always been a really great one of my personal favorite like deep album cut Queen songs. This is a cool cool ass song. Yeah, and again the the cover of your Nationals cover does a really good job of ending the song. Where this is the, the ending yeah. of the song, I always kind of had a really weird vibe about it. But what Queen what Nine Inch Nails does well is they use "We Will Rock You" to end the song. Yeah, nice. And it's, a nice it's touch. really really awesome. It's a nice touch and uh, definitely a album between two. Monumental albums, well, not monumentals, but in terms of uh, the Day of the Races and jazz, which came out in the following year in seventy. Yeah, I was going to say Day of the Race is not as monumental yeah. as Night of the Opera, but it's big enough. But those yeah. two songs, the lead-in, it would be—I wouldn't even fault someone if they didn't realize that like there's other songs on this record because you hear "We Will Rock You," "We Are the Champions," and you're like, "Well, I'm done." Like this is this is great. This is Queen. This is amazing. Right. And then if you just stopped, you'd be like. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, those are great, but there are other songs here, and they are all worth listening to. And that is that is one of the better ones. Like, that's definitely top three on that record for, for sure. sure. All right, man. Excellent pick. Yeah, good ass song. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good ass songs, speaking of real good ass songs, uh, Megan, I believe you are you are next on the docket for our our next song. I picked a real good ass song. I agree. <laughs> I'm I totally agree. So, but don't let me talk about it. You tell me about <laughs> for it. For my second artist, I went with. Um, what many people refer to as an overrated band, the Beatles. Um, I, I would argue that the most the most discussed overrated band yeah. of the whether or not they are overrated. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I absolutely disagree with it because I fucking love the Beatles, um, <laughs> and they earned that shit. So, <laughs> but I picked Oh Darling. Um, it was not one of their chart toppers um, off of Abbey Road from 1969. And that album has a lot of really good music on it. It Fucking really hell. does. Oh, my <laughs> that's, God. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but yes. it really is. But, uh, yeah, Oh, Darling always kind of stuck with me, um, partially because it's one of those songs I could belt at work. Um, but uh, the other aspect, I just I think it's a really good tune, the way it's, it's strung together. It's just props to the Beatles for Oh, Darling. Oh, Darling.
Ah, what a nice song. I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble getting back into character here because we were. I I don't I won't press too hard on it, but I will say quickly before I let you continue. This song uh, I was saying with Paul McCartney as a Beatle and as a solo artist. This song is right on the verge of being like too cute for its own good, mm. and it's so close that it, like with one more like Woo, it might have gone too far. <laughs> but I think this it treads it treads the water just enough to not go overboard. An appropriate but, amount of Woo. yeah. But please tell you know tell us a little more about it now that we've heard it. You got anything else to say about it? Um, I fucking love it. I think I already mentioned that though. Okay. Um, yeah, I just I find it very singable, very relatable, very poppy, um, but it still rocks in its own way. I agree. I, I like that it has like a a sort of a throwback sound, like yeah. to like yeah. a to like a more sixties forward presentation of how you write a pop song. It definitely has, you know, like more of the more of the stuff that they would have been listening to as yeah. as people that became songwriters. And I think that's yeah. cool, like to reflect on that without without shortchanging your band like it still sounds like a Beatles song yeah but it's also it's not quite as poppy as like you know I want to hold your hand and that kind of but it sounds similar to the same genre they had presented themselves in the 60s yeah and not and not something that took you too far out of what a Beatles song should sound like either like it's still it's a Beatles song and I think that's really cool for that yeah, I mean, I, I like it. It's a good rise and fall in it. You know, gentle rise, gentle fall. I agree with what you're saying, though. Like, it's one, like, ooh, away from <laughs> from being from being a little kitschy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many oohs are, like, too many, but this song has, it like, has the right amount. Like, max amount of oohs before yeah. you... Yeah, let me make the urinko frown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good song. I mean, I, I was actually saying earlier, whenever I hear a Beatles song that I think I don't know, it turns out that I actually do know it because you kind of just, they're always you just hear around. Them. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? They're through, always around. Through Especially like, us, like people of our age. I don't want to sound like I'm doing that. Like, oh, only us. But people of our age specifically, our parents all yeah, grew up with yeah, the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had them liking the Beatles and then before this was cool, you had us liking the Beatles. You know, right. like we liked the Beatles because we heard it all the time. And, yeah. then, and then now that we're older, People are always talking about whether the Beatles are good or not. So we still hear the Beatles. Like it's it never yeah. stops because they never stop. Like that's and that's just something they do. For me, like my parents really liked the Beatles, but they were my grandparents did too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were they were my grandparents weren't the like, oh you damn rock and roll and long sure. hair. Like and those, yeah. it, they were like, No, we want this album too. So I was always hearing it from both my parents and my grandparents and Whenever I'm like, oh, I don't think I know that song. No, it turns out that I do. I just haven't heard it in a while. <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah. they have so many songs. You, you can forget that you've heard that song. Sure. I know the first time that I reheard like Hey Bulldog. And like, yeah. it had been like 20 years. And it was like, oh, my God, this song's amazing. I totally forgot this was a Beatles song. Yeah, like, and then you like know like every that. word. And you're yeah. like, oh, right. And that this- is a great fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, is. Like, yeah. Shit like that. Roger. Well, here's the thing about the Beatles with me. Growing up, I didn't have my parents listening to it because we listened to the likes of Victor Vorga and a bunch of other weird stuff. Like <laughs> Luther Vandross was the biggest artist in my house. Oh, my wow. Mom. Yeah. My mom was a big Luther Vandross fan, Anita Baker. Uh, but the Beatles. That, that's great stuff. Yeah. yeah that's good it's stuff. It's a different thing, but it's, you know, it's great stuff. You I was just so, walking a different path. Yeah, I was walking <laughs> Still a different one. Yeah. It, the only Beatles I was exposed to was the ones on Sesame Street where they alluded to the band, and I had no idea. Yeah, like the parodies. Yeah, the parodies. Like Letter B. That's what the first yeah. one I always think of. Yeah, or the Beats oh, yeah. with Doug. You yeah. know, and, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. But a, I had no point of reference until my freshman and sophomore year where literally in high school, everybody was a classic rock person, and that was the band. And I thought until probably 15 years ago, I thought the Beatles were overrated. I didn't get it. I, under, I, I didn't care for them. I never really did a deep dive, and I finally listened to... 
It was a white album and revolver where it kind of changed uh, my mind yeah. a little bit. Number one and two. On yeah, the and it was actually around the whole time. Right yeah, around the time, like around the time I met you, where I, I kind of. I used to play two. the white album constantly yes. when we lived together. I yeah. know for a fact I played that a lot. Yes, and it was from the second and the townhouse. Uh, I could hear it from upstairs now, even now having a flashback of it. But no, that's so for me coming to this song. I heard this. I think I've heard a lot of bands cover the song, like a high school doo-wop thing, and and just what have you. So this to me is a different take on it but it's a good song it doesn't sound like anything they've done up to that or it's kind of a throwback for them for their working days in liverpool uh, liverpool, yeah, liverpool, liverpool. And, and, and and when they did the stuff in hamburg so but yeah it, it honestly the beatles to me is a point of reference this is a perfect quintessential overrated band yeah i think i think that is totally that is who I thought of when I made this, like when I presented yeah. it to you guys. Yeah. I was like, we want to pick like overrated bands, the people that talk about they're overrated, you know, like the Beatles. Like everybody just discusses yeah. that. Um, I guess to touch on it real quick then. So, Megan, we know where you stand as you said it. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else think the Beatles are overrated? I do not. I will just vouch immediately. I, they are great. I think they earn that shit. <laughs> they're great. <laughs> they are I think they're I think they're good. I don't think they're overrated. I, I think for every person you find like one of us that think think the Beatles are just so great and they're awesome and they have a great catalog of music, you can deep dive into it for weeks and weeks and weeks. You can find a person who's like, they're so overrated. Sure. You know? So I mean it's just, Yeah, just and, personal and I think culturally it balances out, but at the people at the table, I don't know if all of us think they're overrated. I, I, Roger, I, I, you I, look I, like a, a tad a touch. A tad. A tad. Right. I, I'm like you know it's funny is that we chose Megan chose the Beatles. I chose the Rolling Stones, which is the two bands you always yeah. compare yeah, to yeah, anyways. That's, that's true. Yeah. And overrated. So either you're a Stones fan or a Beatles fan. You yeah. Can't be both. I feel like we're we're past that now. Like yeah. in, in our life. Like we've right. seen the end of that conversation. But I remember it even as a kid, like yeah, people talking here, yeah. about that shit. Yeah. You know, like I know my dad likes the Rolling Stones more. You know, like we people have their favorites. Yeah, but, people yeah. ask you Beatles or Stones. Yeah. And they want to judge you by your answer. Yeah, exactly. And just to be clear, I think that the Beatles are fairly rated, like just by their impact alone. Oh, 100%. Like they, ha- they have a huge yeah, catalog of great yeah. music and, like I said, songs forever, you know, but their impact and what they did for rock and roll moving forward is why they're so talked about and continue to be talked about. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah I it, think they molded the, the path for pop music in general, modern pop music. I mean, it, a lot of it, I think, stemmed right from there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, with whirlwind touring and, mm-hmm. you know, like, all the front-facing, like, interviewing stuff and yeah. your access to the media and the sheer number of songs they've produced in such a short time. Yeah. I mean, this, they were a popular band for eight years. Like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They did all of this in eight years. It's impossible to think of anyone doing this now. That amazes yeah. me. Yeah, when you think about everything they compacted right into eight years. And yeah, man. Like, it, we're done. 62 to 70. Yeah. That's yeah. all the, yeah. all their because stuff is it, released. It feels like it should be over a longer it's a, No one, yeah. people yeah. don't touch this in a lifetime. The Beatles did it in eight fucking years. Yeah. Like, that by itself, you're not overrated. Like, no, and that did, part, no. I, you did something yeah. amazing. Yeah. Just, I think it's the, I think some of the culture aspects, I think it's a little over my head sometimes. Like, I, that is the one part, well, before we make this a podcast about the Beatles, I I will grant you that. I totally agree with you that sometimes it's a bit overstated, but there we go. Yeah, that's like the- it's just like me always saying things like Bob Dylan invented rap. Like I don't mean that for real, <laughs> but I say shit like that because it's funny. But there, the Beatles do get a lot of credit for things I don't always feel like they that's deserve. Exactly, yeah, exactly. but they they alternately sometimes don't get enough credit for the stuff that they have done. So I think it it like balances out, which is why I think they're fairly rated. But yin you know, and yang, man. that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. To go back to your original thesis, yeah. yes, yin and yang. Um, before we move on to Lacey, Megan, did we have anything else to say about this song? 
Apart from that, it's great. No, I think I covered it. It's fucking great. I just wanted to make sure. I want to give everybody their chance to talk about how much they like or dislike a band that we are talking about. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Lacey, then, moving right on to your next selection. Tee it up for us. Okay. Um, So I want to take a hard turn (laughs) and move on to a genre that was invented by Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, So my next artist that I wanted to talk a little bit about is Eminem. And I have a song from Eminem that I have always loved. It's one shot, two shot. It's from his Encore album. It was never a single. Um, I'm sure that anybody who's listened to this album knows the song. Uh, It's pretty upbeat and catchy. Now, full disclosure, I am not like a rap fan or a hip hop fan. I am a like popular music fan. So we never claim course, to be experts. We're right. just enthusiasts. Sure. So, of course, I know who Eminem is, and I think he's immensely overrated. People fawn all over him and love him. But this song is, for me, the perfect representation of what I think Eminem does best. Um, now, it's a song that. B- it's an Eminem song because it's on his album, but it's basically a D12 song. It features at least three other members of D12 on the song. And what I love about it is the lyrical content, we'll listen to it. It's basically a story, but it's dark humor and it's funny without being too like over-the-top toilet humor funny, but it deals with like dark subject matter. So let's go ahead and listen to it. It's One Shot, Two Shot from Eminem. Outside the door, waiting in line, still trying to get inside the club. The CD12 performed, the fire marshals know 
Okay, so that was Eminem, One Shot, Two Shot. Um, so that song, I was telling Dave while we were listening to the song, because we were talking a little bit about how we feel about Eminem. I think that that song is like the perfect balance of like humorous Eminem, but also kind of like content that you're almost used to hearing in a rap song. But what I think is so good about it is it starts off, they're at a party, and somebody starts shooting, and then as you listen to the song, it comes around to kind of being that it was one of their own friends that started the, like, gunfight. <laughs> so, and, and they're just kind of, like, chaos ensuing, and they're all talking about Bizarre left his wife laying on the floor, so Eminem has to grab her up, and he's try, trying to get her out. And there's just a lot of, like, story in it. And on top of that, it's just a fucking catchy ass song. And I write, I will literally get on board with almost any song that uses a gunshot as like a beat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, yeah, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I just think Eminem started off being really humorous to me and he was different and from anything I'd ever heard. And I thought that was really enjoyable. And then he kind of went on this like downslide into just like rapping about how difficult it was to be famous and it like, was a common thing amongst people yeah that you become know famous. and I, I get it but i you know the other singles off this album were like mockingbird like i don't like serious sad eminem i like sure. i like this is funny eminem so that's just the eminem that i enjoy yeah i i that's a fun song it's it's weird to cast back to thinking about that time because this, this is right around the time I stopped liking Eminem yeah. for separate but equal reasons. Like I, It's not that I prefer one over the other, like Goofy to Serious, because I think both have their merits for him specifically. I just think I felt, as other bands have, we've talked about this, he hit a point of critical mass where he was so untouchable. It was just like, yeah. Eminem is the greatest and can do nothing wrong. And then Encore comes out, and I think Encore is not good. Like no, People, there are... They're, I have read the defense of this record, and I think it is valid if you want to read it that way. I think it's not good. And I think the Eminem of this era was not good. Like, it's, I'm kind of done at 8 Mile. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, eight like this is 8 Mile era. And, like, 8 Mile is a great movie. I think his performance in it is good. Like, no one's going to say Lose Yourself is a bad song. These are all fine points and feathers in his cap. But moving forward, it's really where the problems become, like, obvious. And I think that this record is where it starts and I think it's bad like, exactly. because I, of those reasons. I, I agree with you and this, my roommate had this album um, and she would play it all the time and I wasn't really like a huge Eminem fan. Like I knew his singles and stuff like that but this was like one of the first times that I started hearing like when I moved in with her because she was a huge Eminem fan 
And she, this album came out when we were living together, and she would play it all the time. And this was the song that stood out to me from it. And as far as album cuts went, there was a ton of skits on the album, yeah. a ton of ridiculousness, <laughs> yeah. a ton of, I don't know what to say, but this this song to me like walks that line between like it has pretty like serious like you're talking about a gunfight mm-hmm. at St. Andrews Hall, which is a place that Local we've reference. all been to. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. we're we're from the Detroit area, so but. It's. I mean, it's. It's a gunfight is happening, but they somehow managed to make it into just like a dark comedic sketch while keeping it a song, which is that is what I like from Eminem and more specifically D12 because yeah. like, as I mentioned, there's like three members of D12 and each of them have a verse on this song. So yeah, Megan, what'd you think of it? I like the song a lot. Um, I think as you mentioned, anything that uses gunshots as a beat, it's. it's- Pretty solid choice right there. And I do appreciate his um, ability to bring dark humor in into it. I really do. Um, I'm on board with Eminem is overrated for sure. Uh, I definitely prefer light and fluffy or comedic Eminem over the um, serious sad rapper Eminem. <laughs> Sure. Life is hard. He has it such a. Hard. It's so. It's so. It <laughs> it's so well cultivated, though. Both of his personas, like you, you can look down the discography and like cut it in half in a like, bipolar yeah. manner. Yeah, absolutely. Really I mean, I'm and yeah. I, I'm not here to like tread on mental illness and try to say that that's something we shouldn't oh, not consider. My point, not my point right. I know. I just yeah. wanted to bring it up though that like I understand that the dude went through some stuff. Yeah. That's all well and good, and I respect your struggle, and I hope you feel better. That being said, what you committed. To wax was bad. Like sometimes right. it's just it just happens. That happens for everybody. Yeah. Um, I agree that Eminem is probably overrated. I am. I have a very checkered past with him in general. I'm not. I've never been the biggest fan, but I've never been the biggest detractor. So I've mostly right. kind of floated in the middle. I think he has very great stuff. I definitely think that he is capable of being great and has at times been great. What he does is not easy. So that being said, like I have an immense respect for his ability to be great when he is great. Mm-hmm. And I think this song does highlight part of that. Like his his specific verse is super super good. Like yeah. it is it is difficult to get some of those rhymes in general, as opposed to even uh, rather compared to what he manages to do with like Swift got shot got shot with like the way the cadence works through his mm-hmm, bars mm-hmm. are fucking awesome. Like he's really good with the cadences yeah. and the rhythms and the lyrical spewing out. Yeah, yeah he, he hits really when he hits. He hits yeah. really fucking hard, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, so I think this is a cool song. I. I would agree with you that he's overrated, but this is a cool song. And I think it is emblematic of his better stuff. I I do just want to mention that and kind of ask you guys' opinion on it. Do you think that the hype surrounding Eminem, I mean, I know he's huge all over the place, but do you think that the hype um, surrounding Eminem is a little bit more amplified since he's a hometown hero for us? Here, yes, absolutely. This was all anyone talked about for years. Like when when Eminem first broke, like when I was in high school, no one could shut up about it. It was, mm. it was a like yeah. a sea change of like, yeah. oh my god, this guy from Detroit is the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. So and living near in a and suburb he put of Detroit, Detroit on the map, yeah, yeah. he kind of did. Yeah, like for, yeah. it felt like it for a couple of years. Like you couldn't escape that talk. And then sure. you know, right, right around the same time on his heels, like Kid Rock becomes a big yep. giant thing. So like Romeo we have, Detroit. yeah, man, we have all this shit going at the same time, and Michigan becomes like strangely culturally relevant in a way I'm not sure I'm thrilled about right. <laughs> in the late nineties. Yeah. This also does lead to ICP becoming a big deal for a few years though. So big ups to that. But <laughs> I mean, all things being fair though, like, yeah, it, it definitely, the late nineties had a weird impact on the city and the surrounding areas in a way that is still being felt <laughs> and yeah. is, uh, I don't know whether or not that's good or bad, but it definitely was amplified. I definitely think that uh, I would put that and them or them or Eminem, Bob Seger, Kid Rock as bands that quote, 
Uh, it depends on who you're hanging out with. In this group, absolutely. I could, I could say what I want to say about Bob Seeger in this group. Oh, you have, but, yeah. You're, but you're anybody, in a safe place. Yeah. Anywhere else, you will get literally probably jumped. I'm dead oh, serious. Oh, yeah. Bob, I mean, Bob Seeger's an important man. Bob yeah. Seeger's, oh, yeah. like, Bob Seeger's <laughs> like the Pope of Detroit. I mean, yeah. I, won't, I won't lie. I really like Bob Seeger's songs. Like, I do. I know Dave hates them. Hey, but, man, Beautiful Losers a Jam. Everything else you oh, can throw in the trash. Yeah. I really like a lot of Bob Seeger's songs, but, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lunge after you if you say anything bad about them. But some people will around here. I got lunge, lunged at. I got punched last year. Bye, Bob oh Seeger. my god. Hold on. Can I get was it a baby boomer? <laughs> no, it was actually <laughs> It was actually somebody a couple years younger than me. Oh wow. And I said Bob Seeger is not I think it's slightly overrated. I said Def Leppard sucks. <laughs> Def Leppard sucks. <laughs> and I got punched and then I got kicked in the balls. I'm dead serious. Wow. Damn man. She, she was very balls. no she was She even she? Wow. Was she she's like never she was not say that, that again. She was very she's upset well on her that. way to becoming a suburban mom who yells at cashiers. <laughs> yes. She already got the haircut too, but anyway. uh, well, Roger, we didn't get your thoughts on yeah. Eminem. Um, yeah, sorry. Him. No, that's okay. I, I I liked the song. It was the first time I ever heard it. I, I liked it. I'm surprised it didn't get a lot of radio play. Well, I think There's a lot, a lot of, of it has to do with the, the content. Yeah, yeah, the content yeah. is I don't, I don't think it could be really released as a single without being heavily cut to pieces. So. That's true, but I but it's catchy and I liked it. So, mm-hmm. and again, I I have no context outside of some of his hits. I really yeah. don't. I don't deep dive on Eminem. Not sure. for on purpose. I just it's not in my wheelhouse. So, I got you. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no there's no fault in anybody from for not liking any of these bands. Like this is. This is less an exercise in trying to make you like these bands, anyone that listens to this, and more us wanting to show you that there is perhaps a way to find music by bands you wouldn't think you like that you may end up enjoying. So sure. this is yeah. apply this to your own life if you're like, oh God, you know, like I hate Nirvana because I hear that a lot. Yeah, you know, like oh Nirvana's terrible. I'm like, well, have you heard Radio Friendly Unit Shifter? You know, like pick a song that might not be something that you knew by them and give that a chance to yeah. just, there's a possibility that you might find something enjoyable. You and know? even though I chose green day and M, I am actually like, not, I don't dislike either of those artists. Like I yeah. like Eminem well enough to like listen to some of his stuff. And same thing with green day. Like, I think they have a lot of good stuff. I just think, yeah, overrated in general, it, overrated. Isn't the same thing as disliking something. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. That is, that is something I always want to try people to realize about the show when we do it. I am never, okay, not never, I am rarely saying that something is overrated because I hate it. It is, often it is overrated because it isn't, it's maybe getting too much credit for things, like we had said with the Beatles, it's getting too much credit for things it hasn't done or not enough credit for the things it is doing, so that's kind of what overrated means to me. Yeah. And that doesn't always necess- necessitate that it is bad. You know, some things are overrated and bad. Like or if ra- we like say it's underrated, <laughs> if we say it's underrated, it doesn't necessarily mean we think that it's, it's good. Great. Yeah. That's it. also yeah. true. Like there are things that I am sure are underappreciated that I don't give a shit about. Like if you bring them to my attention, I'll be happy to list the merits and think about it with you. Present that to me. But until I know what those things are, like I just kind of know what I know. And that's what we're here for. Uh, Man, speaking of things we know. Yeah, you guys, I was about to say, speaking of... It's the main event. You know. I'm so fucking oh, excited. God. Okay, <laughs> so the original idea for this episode was born out of wanting to discuss things, and I used the Beatles as an example, but it was a clever way to backdoor in a Taylor Swift song because that's my next choice. <laughs> uh, my second song, underrated song, overrated band, uh, is Taylor Swift's All You Had to Do Was Stay. Uh, it is off of her landmark 1989 album from a few years ago. Uh, bajillion times platinum, giant world tour, selling out nonsense, hits all over the place. <clears throat> what is that? That is, I had to cough anyway. Yeah. Um, 
uh, all those songs, all the Taylor Swift songs that I'm sure you've all heard by now, like Shake It Off and Welcome to New York and fucking Style. Like, I'm forgetting songs. There's so many. Like, you know, there are, I think there's 13, 11, 11 to 13 songs on the record. And I think seven of them were singles. Like bad blood. There, I, I, okay, there were singles forever. Yeah, that she just kept releasing songs off this record. It was huge. Yeah, and she is omnipresent. Like she is, she is very much a contemporary artist. She is still famous. She is still releasing popular music that people digest. Like it is, she is an of the now artist. Still, she's mm-hmm. getting. I would argue that she's getting to a point where that might not be true soon. Like she's, she's kind of fading out of the normal era you would put a pop star in, but. Maybe she finds a way to Madonna that shit and stay relevant for the next decade or so. I yeah. hope so, because I think she is great. I will not say that I think she is underrated, because I think that's wrong. Um, I think whatever whatever the listener opinion of Taylor Swift is, is probably correct for you. But I wanted to highlight a song specifically that I think is very exemplary of the things I think she does really well, which is to say, past moving when she moved out of the country stuff, country pop stuff into pop pop stuff, a song that is catchy, memorable, without being cloying or like super schmaltzy or even long. It's a perfectly linked song, too. That's important for pop music. So we'll talk about it after so I can get everybody's impressions and stuff. But we'll go ahead and play Taylor Swift's All You Had to Do Was Stay.
damn it. God, I love that fucking song. <laughs> All right, we can call that out. Okay, so that was it. That was Taylor Swift's All You Had to Do Was Stay. Fuck everybody that doesn't like that song. Um, all right, that's a little that's a little aggressive, but for real though, I love that song. I think it is a absolute perfect example of what I am looking for in a pop song. It is synth gorgeousness. Like I absolutely love the layering and the arrangement of this song. And it, people want to complain about stuff being overproduced. I understand if you, that's not what you're looking for. That's not what you're looking for. But I think this song does that right. Like it's compressed to where like the drum it has like the compressed drumming and 808s and shit. You can get by with that in a song that calls for it. This is that. Uh, I think it's fucking catchy. I think the subject is good. It's not like I said. She she does have some love songs that are a bit much, and I respect that. But I don't think this is one of them. I think this is a very well written song. It is a very concise portrait of the end of a relationship and how that goes wrong between people and where you shift blame and how that is interpreted and you know the longing for for a closure that you weren't given because someone else ended that for you. And now they, they want to try to strike that back up with you. Like you already moved on. Like, I don't know, man, I think the song is incredibly relatable and great. Like I, I don't want to hammer on about it forever, but uh, Roger, I want to start with you. Tell me about Taylor Swift. It has a nice, it's, that's that. Oh, that's like fucking, it's like I, pure heroin. <laughs> like no, audio it's, heroin. It's very, you could put that song in any decade, uh, anything from eighties on. It's I totally really, agree with you on that. Yeah, it's a very uh, has surprise. Hold on a second. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this word, but it does have a timeless quality <gasps> to it. You're just you're building me up over here, Roger. <laughs> this is but before I finish you off here. Um, just <laughs> careful. One of your hands is hurt. with your left hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I have a bad, low you batting average on that one, but uh, no, it's. Honestly, it has whoever produced this album or whoever produced this. Uh, Max track. Martin and Shellback, I believe, is the other producer's name. Well, Shellback, Mr. Shellback, well done. And Max Martin is a pop genius. Like, he is a giant yeah. name in this industry for that reason. But she wrote that song. Like, Taylor Swift, yeah. Taylor Swift needs to get credit, at least, for being a part of this actively. She writes her songs. So she might not yeah, she writes sit all there. Her music, yeah. doesn't she? she writes all of her lyrics 100%. And she does write music too. Like, she's not useless. Yeah, I know, you know she what plays I mean? guitar and everything. Yeah, yeah, she's not. She's The notion that Taylor Swift is overrated is fair in that she is like giant and all of her songs might not connect with you. But it's not fair to say she's overrated because she, like, quote unquote, plays like girly pop songs. She, she got better. This is a great, this album is proof that you can do that sort of music and be great at it because mm-hmm. all of these songs are great. See, I have no real basis of opinion for because even when she did the when her quote unquote country days, I guess I it's just it never again not in my wheelhouse kind of thing. But I never no. I never had an opinion where like because I like uh, I knew I don't, I like trouble a lot. I really no, that, 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 that song is just like that. Even when that stupid what was it was it um, that sound? What's the sound that comes with that? Like. Um, <laughs> The techno I sound. No uh, idea what you're talking. You know, like, uh, it's, wait, Are you talking it, about wub wubs? Yeah, wub wubs. Talk okay, about yeah. in like dubstep, like dubstep. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Thank you, thank you. Like that's a dubstep kind of song, but somehow the dubstep is played down. Thank God. Yeah, um, it's, it doesn't hit you in the face. yeah. It doesn't hit you in the face, but I can you know I, I would listen to this album. I would give it a, a, a worth or another thing or another spin another spin okay. on a dial oh i would God. definitely give it another spin on a dial dave but yeah uh-huh. this song this song somehow miraculously was not released as a single and i yeah. think it's the best song on the record like i it's single worthy i totally agree i mean it's single worthy for sure like, i think a lot of i 
that whole album it was is the whole worthy. fucking record is single worthy but i mean honestly yeah that this one wasn't is always baffling i thought it was really interesting that they released shake it off as the first single because it's pretty great though. It, it's great <laughs> but i don't think it is like i don't think it gives you an idea of what that album is at all i think that's fair because that could have appeared on like the record before it you know like yeah, because when i heard shake it off i was like oh this is a really catchy different taylor swift song whatever it's in my ear it's an earworm but I would have never guessed that it came off an album that was that much of a powerhouse because yeah. I totally love this record. Thanks to you forcing it down my throat. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm, no, I'm just saying because I would have never, I would have never given it a chance had you not make me listen to it. I knew "Shake It Off," but I didn't know that the songs on it were gonna, like the songs on this record were gonna be the way they were because the rest of the record sounds totally different to me. Yeah, "Out of the Woods" is my favorite song. On yeah, that right. Yeah, it's my favorite song on that record, and um. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great pop song. I don't tend to give much of a shit about lyrical content when it comes to, like, catchy pop songs. But, yeah. I mean, if it was really bonkers, I might take it note. It But, like, ear, yeah. they're usually, like, love songs, you know? They're usually, like, love and crushes and things like that or whatever. They have themes. And this is fine. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great song. I don't, I don't like I said, I actually like Out of the Woods a lot better than this song, but... Sure. I think this song sounds closer to that song though than like Shake It Off. Like this, that was also a single. And yeah, Out of the yeah, Woods was so a single. People know it. You yeah, know, that was produced by Jack Antonoff to... though, the guy from Fun. So like that yeah. has a little bit more of a name credit on sure, it too. Sure. So you're like, oh well, he did that song. So yeah. then you can have him in on it. Um, Megan, the one who has not spoken about this yet, and I think the person I had to sell the hardest on this. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the song? It's a good song. Yeah, I got it for like three points. I wanted to make uh, first one was already touched upon um, by. Pretty much everyone here. Um, the production value of the song is really good. It was really well layered. It was put together almost perfectly. I will fully admit that it's the first time I've heard the song. I have not listened to 1989. I may actually give it a try. Yeah. It's worth your time, man. Point number two is I love seeing a grown-ass man bop around about music. <laughs> and, and Dave totally did that, and it was great. I can't help it, I dude. It. You... Complete with the, like, the hand motions, the heart and shit. It was yeah, perfect. you don't fight it. When you feel it, you don't fight that it was shit. perfect. I'm actually kind of shocked you're not wearing a Taylor Swift shirt today. Uh, I didn't have one available. <laughs> I appreciate the Fraser, though, I gotta say. Yeah. yeah I'm wounded. Um... <laughs> And there was a third point? Oh, there was a third point. Of course, now it's a good... Oh, yes, the ratio. Uh, I found myself giggling during the song because we were discussing, like, one ooh short of being over, overly too much and not the top, and I was wondering how many stays had to be in there until it hit that point. I don't think it hit that point. I think this was the correct amount of stays. It seemed to be the correct amount. If they had thrown a couple more in, I might have lost my Yeah, even at the end there where, you, where we're trailing off with yeah. it, and it ends on a really hard yeah, one at the end there. That Because you knew. You knew that you would hit the, the required amount. Mm-hmm. To hit that perfectly at the end. I'm not going to do it because I only do that when I'm in my car because my right. voice will break like crazy. But believe me, I sing the shit out of this song oh, when I hear sure, it yeah. in personal personal goings. Yeah. yeah, but the song's called Stay, right? All you had to do was stay. Yeah, but they let you know what you're in for. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Yeah. That's true. It is. It's right on the... It's okay. literally in the title. It's in the title. Um, yeah, dude. I... There's something about this song that connects on in such a, in such a way on a level that I didn't think I could still feel about with pop music. Like, I... I enjoy pop music on a very surface level of just like, oh, this is really catchy and I enjoy it. But something about this record and the time I heard it, I don't know what it was, but I had a fundamental, like actual genuine connection to this song. I've I've been happily married for a long time now. I haven't had had heartbreak in a very long time like to feel what that was like. But it tapped into a place where I remembered what that was and was like, man, this song is really fucking hitting me in that in that spot. And 
it made it all better though because it's fucking it's popping my mind out you know like just all of the stuff working together in perfect congress of how a pop song sounds to me in my head like that's what i want and it gave me all of those things and i to to your point i think the reason i wanted to play this record for everybody when i heard it like way back when was because i did not like taylor swift at all prior to this record like i was definitely of the mind of just like taylor swift is trash country pop is trash i know her last record was more pop than country but it's trash like i was just all over the place there's not there's not a way i'm ever gonna like this and i heard shake it off for the first time and i'm like this song is dumb and then i heard it for the fifth time and then i heard it for the 30th time and i'm like i'm not sick of hearing it though like i kept hearing it and i kept hearing it and i just bought the record like sight unseen like this song is really good maybe i should give the rest of this a chance fucking wow so that's just that's a conversation for another day but i just think this song is super good and super super exemplary of what taylor swift can do when she is good like she makes great pop songs. There's almost no question about that. She's really great at what she does. So if Eminem is great when he is great, Taylor Swift is fucking great when she's great. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, that's just the truth. So haters going to hate. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, like, we were talking about uh, Taylor Swift writing her own music, right? So I personally don't give a shit about, like, pop stars, whether or not they write their own stuff. Like, I totally I know, agree with you. I know 100%. a lot of people are like, ooh, they don't write yeah. their own stuff. Beyonce needed six people to write single ladies. Yeah, fuck off. It's one of the greatest songs I've ever. I don't care. It's great. Kiss my ass. Sing it. Like you know Beyonce what I mean? Yeah. Like, a lot of pop songs, I feel that way. I don't care how many writers. I don't care who wrote it. A lot of old, like musicians that you think of as being legendary didn't write their own songs because either Bob Dylan wrote them or Carol <laughs> King wrote them. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't give a shit, but I do think in this, in the case of this album, because I know that Taylor Swift does write her own stuff. And like you said, at the very least her own lyrics, I think this album works so well because she clearly, it clearly gives her the ability to connect with it a lot better because 100%. it's her own lyrics. And it's clearly like everybody knows Taylor Swift was famous for dating a lot of guys and breaking up with a lot of guys. And pretty much that's what this album is about. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of the songs. But in a good way. Yeah, but in a good way. We're not slut shaming or anything. No, 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 not at all. Like, Blink Space is my jam. And that's, that, Blink Space is, what what I'll say is a (laughs) pop song where I can, that was the song that I related to lyrically off of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if Blank Space hadn't have been a single, that would have been my pick. Like, yeah. it, you know, if I'm if I had to pick, you know what I mean? Blank Space is fucking incredible. Yeah, but I couldn't get it. It was a giant hit. I can't pick it. <laughs> like, I couldn't get know. enough of that song when it came out. And this was before she was back on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't listen to it on Spotify. And I was like, I'm going to have to just go back this. Fucking you should have told me I would have made you a copy of it. I have the CD. Like an old fucking fuck. <laughs> I had an actual physical <laughs> copy of it. I know a lot of people that bought that on cd yeah for like I, the that I was like the first time <laughs> that they had bought so like whatever she did it kind of worked yeah it worked for me yeah, i, I hadn't bought a, a lot of people for that i record. only buy bob dylan records when they are released and that <laughs> yeah. is literally it and i made an exception for taylor swift and then beyonce's lemonade but you know what are you yeah. gonna do what do are you gonna do man? man yeah i i really do honestly think that that album i mean i know we're talking about songs but i do actually think that that album will go down in history as one of the like best and most perfect pop albums i in, could not co-sign know, on that as harder. we move forward i'm breaking time. the pen i'm writing on it so hard co-signed yeah man fucking awesome well i think we have gotten as far as we can on talking about how great taylor swift is yeah. or, or at least that record um with all those things being said uh yeah we came to the end here we got all our songs in again to kind of reinforce what i had said earlier is like the thesis statement of this episode 
We are not trying to tell you that these artists are all underrated. They aren't. We are trying to tell you, though, that sometimes you have to look past your initial opinion of what you may think is terrible and just give it a second chance. Like, there is stuff to be... There's, there's gold in them, there hills, in, in the cases of many of these bands. So, with that being said, thank you guys so much for being here today. Lacey, thank you as always. Thank you. Anything you want to plug? You want to throw a Twitter handle or anything out there? Uh, follow us at OverUnderFair. Um, you can email us. What is it? OverUnderFairPod at gmail. Gmail.com, yeah. Check us out on Facebook. We interact a lot on Facebook and Twitter, and I would love to hear from you because I'm all over that Twitter, so fight me. Yeah, man. If there's songs by these bands that you think we should have picked instead, let us know. If there are other bands that you think have underrated songs, let us hear some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I would love to hear like some Yeah, we want your opinions, so by all means, share them with us. Megan, thank you for being here first time. Thank you for inviting me. Make um, sure you guys check out Counting Tracks. Yeah, yep, I was do. about to say, Counting Tracks with featuring Megan and Roger at uh, sportsradiodetroit.com. Uh, we are glad to have you here. We are glad to hear your opinions about music on your show and ours. Mm-hmm. So if everybody wants more of that, that's where you find it. Um, did you guys release an episode recently that they could check out? Yeah, well, they could check out the Annie DeFranco episode where... Annie DeFranco, yeah. Um, where? No, just going uh, to tell you... Was it an album in specific? Or did you, I, was, I was trying yeah, to point you the... Yeah, I did t- 1996's Dilate I covered. It, it oh, okay, seemed, The timing was appropriate with the, you know, slashing of women's re- reproductive rights. Yep, that's so pretty appropriate. So I had a little bit of a Megan rant on that and uh, covered that album. That album in general is, I personally, I find it to be one of her best ones. So Excellent. Check it out. I actually speak more than I usually do. That is good. That's good to have. Nice. Roger, anything I missed on cleanup? No, I'll just... Uh, uh, just to say, check out. She did a really good job explaining that album and, and really got into some of that, some of the deep stuff going on with that album. And we also talked about classic radio in there too. And that was oh, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right. So yeah, check that out. Check us out. Uh, shout out as always. Great discussions. And I think that's going to take us through everything. So let the fucking dulcet sounds of Kiss play <laughs> us out with some. I was made for loving you. Underrated I'm, classic. I am glad you picked this. So yeah, we'll play you out with some Kiss. And yeah, guys, get at us. Enjoy the show. Let us know what you think about stuff. Rate and review all that bullshit. And we'll catch you on the flip side.